Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. called healthy choices healthy choices now when I think of healthy choices what I think of is oh my gosh pastor's gonna be speaking on eating kale chips and carrots and exercise and I can promise you this that while while you know taking care of our bodies our temple it might find its way in this I can promise you that that's not what this series is about um how many of you think of dieting and exercise when you, when you think about that name, healthy choices? All right, so it's not going to be about that. It's going to be about how our choices that we make lead to our destiny. I can tell you this, that every single one of us are here today. You're where you're at today because of the choices that you've made in your past. Your choices lead to your destiny. And so it's important the choices that we make. And the title of today's message is simply this, choose to move. How many of you know that walking with Jesus, being a Christian, being a Christ follower is all about growth and it's all about changes, right? It's all about growth and it's all about changes. So the question that I'm going to pose at the beginning of today's message is this, Where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Like if somebody was to ask you or God was to return today, if he was to to show back up January of 2023, right? He was to come back for his church. Would you be where you're supposed to be? And the, and the, the, the challenge is, is that if you're not where you're supposed to be, then let's go ahead and work at getting there, right? It's amazing. Sometimes I'll, I ask people all kinds of different questions, man. Hey, how's your walk with God? You know what I hear all the time? Well, it's not what it should be. <laughs> well, how about we make it what it should be? You know what I'm saying? And so, so the choices that we make lead to our destiny. And if you're not where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, then let's go ahead and get about his business today. See, choices will take us from where we are to where God wants us to be or not. They'll take us from where we are to where God wants us to be or they won't. And, and they only will take you from where you are to where God wants you to be if you make the correct choices. And how many of you know that you have no excuse? The Bible steps, says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God, right? You have the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives and dwells and moves you to do what you're called to do. So the only reason why you wouldn't be where you're supposed to be is because you're not listening to what it is and you're not being obedient to what it is that the Lord is calling us to do. Amen. Because if we're if our steps are being ordered by God, then we're always going to be where it is that we're supposed to be. Many know God's desires, but yet stop. This is good. Might want to write this down. Stop at good intentions. We stop at good intentions. All of us have good intentions. We should exercise more. We should eat less. I intend to pray more and complain less. It's God's desire that I serve more, give more, and share more. 
Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and just tell them this. Good intentions are good, but they're just not good enough. Good intentions are good, but they're just not good enough. We've all heard that the highway to hell is paved with good intentions. Did he say hell in church? Yes, I did. So in good intentions are not good enough. Right? Everyone has an excuse. And here's something about excuses. It's better to offer no excuse than a bad one. And how many of you know that most excuses are not good ones? Right? The one that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. Never make excuses because your friends don't need them and your foes don't believe them. It's time to move from our good intentions to wise decisions. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 11. This is a key verse for our series. It says this, wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. In a world where things do not feel safe, everything is kind of in an uproar, uproar right now. Like how many of you know that in this world you're going to have trouble? Um, like that's enough in itself, Right? But sometimes because of our poor choices, we add to those troubles that we have. And so the Bible says that wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. I'm here to tell you that if you want to feel safe, even in a world that is filled with trouble, come on, the choices that you make are going to, are going to enable you to do that. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul is sharing something with us, how to put action into our faith or put action to our faith. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg of you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. I want you to know that the apostle Paul was speaking to an audience, but this message, his message to his audience certainly applies to you. I want you to know that you have a purpose and you have a, you have a calling and he is, he's sitting here. He says, I'm begging of you. Come on. The apostle Paul is in a, in a posture of just pleading and begging. He says, I beg of you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I want you to know today that you're called by God and therefore lead a life worthy of that calling. How many of you know that salvation is a free gift? How many of you are grateful that salvation is a free gift? You can't buy it. You can't earn it. I'm telling you this this morning, even if you've been told different, you can't do good enough. Come on to receive it. It's a gift that God gives to you. The only thing that you can do is just, is just posture yourself and, and receive it. But I want you to know this, that once you've received the gift of salvation, this is something that we don't talk enough about. It comes with a great responsibility, right? We don't just receive this gift of salvation and then just continue on maybe like we were continuing on before. And so the apostle Paul is saying, now that you have this wonderful gift of salvation, let me show you what to do with it. And I don't know about you, but I hate stepping into a situation where I don't know what to do. <clears throat> you ever been there? You've been in a situation where I know all of you that have children, like the first child that you've had, it didn't, it didn't matter how many Lamaze classes that you got kicked out of. If you know that story, I got kicked out of Lamaze class because when I began to examine the room and we're all sitting on these red balls, 
doing breathing exercises. I'm looking at all these men coaching their wives in this Lamaze class how to breathe. I just lost it, man. I lost it to the point where I couldn't gather it back up and, uh, and literally got kicked out of Lamaze class. And my wife, you know what I mean? It was contagious. She started laughing. Then the next thing you know, the whole class is laughing. And the, uh, the instructor was not really, she wasn't really pleased with me. I can just tell you, <laughs> I can tell you that. But no matter how many Lamaze classes you've been through, at the point that you are, your wife or you yourself are delivering, come on, that beautiful baby that you're so excited to see, nothing can set you up for that. Like there's no amount of preparation you know, to where, and then, you know, it's just like a day or two later, they're handing this baby off to you and saying, good luck. And you're just like, I, I've never been here before. I've never, what am I supposed to, you know what I mean? What am I supposed to do? So I don't not know about you, but I, I don't like stepping into situations where, where I don't know what to do. You ever, you ever remember going and flying in an airport, you know, taking a flight your first time by yourself. Does anybody ever remember that? Like you show up at this huge airport and you're, you're all like, there's nobody to follow. You know, it's easy when somebody that knows what they're doing, you can just kind of, you know, just follow them and, and go where they go. But, but the very first time that you show up at the airport, you got all this luggage and all these bags and you're just like, how am I supposed to get to the plane that is supposed to take me to the destination that I want to go to, you know, and it can be overwhelming. And, uh, and Starbucks, I remember years and years ago when Starbucks came out, like they, they, they taught us all a new language without us even knowing, you know what I mean? You walk in there and you're just like, yeah, I'd like a, I'd like a large coffee, a large coffee. Uh, do you know where you're at, sir? You know, they make you feel about this big. That would be a venti. I said, what? A what? Okay. Well, just. You know, the tall must even be bigger than that. No, the tall is a small. And, 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 and come on, they teach you this, this new language. But now guess what? I can go to the airport, even fly internationally because we do it all the time now. And I have no problem dealing with customs and going through the, the checkouts and all those things. Why? Because I'm familiar with it now. Going to Starbucks, my wife's even got the app on her phone. We don't even have to speak to anybody if we don't want to, you know? And so, so I'm just saying that with, with time in, involved and invested, there's confidence and clarity. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 the Apostle Paul is showing us structure on how things work. He says this, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And then he says it's their responsibility to do something. It's their responsibility to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And some of you might be here because you just don't understand. You're like, well, I thought the ministry was the pastor's responsibility. And while that makes sense in our minds, it is absolutely 100% unbiblical. It is wild to me how many people will say, hey, listen, 
I got a friend and I'm, I'm happy to go do it. I've got a friend that's not doing well. Can you come over and can you pray for them? I'm like, how many times have you been over to pray for them? Well, no, I've not been over to pray for them at all. What do you mean you haven't been over there? And you want me to go over and pray for them? I'm happy to go with you, but we view in Western culture that the ministry is the pastor's responsibility and this is wrong. It was never set up. God himself never set it up this way. God gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Whose job is it to do the work of the ministry? It's all of your job. And it's my job. It's all of our job, right? And so I encourage us to get a biblical understanding and a viewpoint of what this body is supposed to look like. I thought the pastor was to minister. No, their job is to equip. To equip means this, to supply with necessary items for a particular purpose. To equip means to prepare somebody mentally is what Webster says, but I'm adding in there spiritually to prepare somebody mentally and spiritually for a particular situation or task. Verse 13 says this, this will continue until we come unto uh, to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now listen, the original Greek for this, this measuring up portion, it means moving towards. Somebody say moving towards or on the journey of. It's the, it's the Greek word pleroma, pleroma, which, which, is, which is actually found in this next slide. Go ahead, turn to the next slide. See, this is a big cargo ship. And in this picture, in this picture, this cargo ship, you're the vessel. Pleroma is you being the vessel and that huge, massive crane that is loading that cargo ship. I couldn't find an empty cargo ship, but imagine you being the vessel. You're absolutely empty, but that crane, which is the Holy Spirit, it begins to load you up bit by bit, day by day, moment by moment, year by year, situation by situation. And I'm just telling you this, that, that, this walk with God is a journey. Never were you meant to have it all figured out on day one. Just like you don't have anything else figured out on day one. This walk with God is a journey. The church uses, you know, really fancy words like sanctification. You know, being set apart. The church uses very powerful words like discipleship. Come on, to, to invest, to help somebody to live the disciplined life. But I'm telling you this, we can simplify it this morning. It has everything to do with taking just the next step. And as you take the next step, there's another piece of cargo that's added. Come on to the vessel. There's another job. There's another journey. There's another moment. There's another interaction. Come on. There's, a, there's another encounter where your life is making a difference in the lives of somebody else. This is a good place to say amen, pastor. That's a good word. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. So you have to make the choice, Penny, to take the next step. 
Do you know how many people live their lives? I'm not saying penny, but some, some people live their lives and they took the step of salvation and they honestly think that that is the end to all. You know, they got a little bit of fire insurance and I'm going to heaven, but they never utilize their life to make a difference in the lives of somebody else. And I'm saying that taking the next step is a choice. Some people are like, I want to take the next step. I would love to take the next step, but I need to know more about the next step. How long is the next step going to take? And what's it going to look like? How much responsibility is attached to the next step? And I'm just saying this, that all of that will come. But first, you've got to choose to take the next step. The other thing is the Apostle Paul here in these wonderful scriptures in the book of Ephesians. He's saying, listen, before we get to the what, I want you to understand the why. And so I want to share with you the why it's important to take the next step. Verse 14 says this, then we will, this is a why, then we will no longer be immature like children. There's so many scriptures that are coming to my mind right now. One of them, Paul is addressing to be at this time, you should be on the meat. You should be teaching. You should be leading. You should be doing, you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. You should be doing all these things, but you're still on the milk, which means that you're still acting as an infant when you've been around the body of Christ and walking with Jesus for a long period of time. This is a person that has failed to grow. This is a person that has failed to grow because they've failed to take the next step. Goes on to say, we won't be tossed or blown by every wind of new teaching. See, this is referring back to the ship, the vessel that's in the ocean. You know what I mean? That's being tossed all over the place because there's, there's no stability. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. So number one, the first why is this? Why is it important? Because next step produces, next steps produce spiritual strength. See, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be messed up by every new clever thought that comes my way. You know, just because somebody says, thus saith the Lord over my life, I'm not going to believe everything that has been prophesied. Do you know how many crazy things people have prophesied over me? Then I'm just like, well, I'll just have to walk that out and see how that goes. If you're a person, when somebody comes to you and says, thus saith the, the Lord, and you believe what it is that they're saying right off the bat, I would challenge you against that. I wouldn't have you discard that, but I would have you to pray about it and examine it. But I'm telling you, I've had some crazy things prophesied over me. No longer will I remain on the crazy train. Some of you might be like, that's me. I'm on the crazy train. I'm on, I'm on this cycle that I just can't get off. I'm not talking mentally. Maybe I'm talking with an addiction. Maybe I'm talking, but you're just on the cycle that you just can't, you can't kick. And you've been on it for five years, six years. And you're always like, you know, well, maybe next year is going to be the year. Come on and come out of that place, right? What's your greatest threat as a Christian? Somebody might say sin is the greatest threat as a Christian. 
But I'm telling you, sin is the greatest threat to the non-believer, the person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Immaturity is the greatest threat to a Christian. See, because whenever you find weakness in your life, all that does is it shows you where you need to spend a little bit more time and attention. Sin reveals the areas that we need to grow in. How do we grow? One step at a time. One step at a time. How many of you would say that the greatest job in the, in the history of jobs would be being a child, being a kid? I loved being a kid. The only thing I had to worry about on Saturday morning was which cartoons I was going to watch and what kind of cereal was in the pantry. Cereal and cartoons. How many grew up Saturday morning on cereal and cartoons? Man, I love me some Saturday morning. But what's crazy is when you ask any child what they want to be when they grow up, remaining a child is not part of the list of things that they're going to give you, even though most of us would agree that it's the greatest job on the planet. What do we hear? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter, right? Can I just tell you this, that... that um, Actually, I just want to ask the question. So I've got a grandson. He's five years old. And let's just say Stetson came to me and he said, Papa, Grandpa, I want to be a dentist when I grow up. And I'm just like, man, oh, man, that's awesome. That is incredible. Let me ask you this question. Is he ready to be a dentist right now? No, that's crazy, right? This is the most ridiculous thing. In fact, if you show up to get a tooth pulled, and little Stetson comes out, you know what I'm saying? I don't care if he's got a white coat on and stuff hanging around his neck and, and looks the part. Run, get out of that place as fast as you can. Like that boy had no business pulling on your teeth, right? But, but this is the deal. Does he have the potential inside of him to become a dentist? You better believe it, man. He can do all things through Christ who gives him the strength. Right. If he puts on the time and the energy and he he puts his his mind to work, come on, he can do anything that he sets his mind to. And so how do we get there? One step at a time. One step at a time. Ephesians 415. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. What a huge opportunity for us to function in this. Number two, the second why is this? The next step develops Christ's likeness. Can I tell you this? When I started my faith journey, there wasn't very much in my life that looked like Jesus. I don't know about you, but, but, but there, there were a lot of people probably, I mean, I had a lot of passion and zeal, but there were a lot of people that would look at me and probably ask the question, I don't even know if he's saved yet. You know what I'm saying? So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot that looked like Jesus because I was just beginning this faith journey. And the idea for all of us is this, that more of Jesus and less of me. I must decrease so that he can increase in my life. This is our faith journey. And let me tell you this, that you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving you're never more like Jesus than when you're giving. You're never more like Jesus than when you're loving and when you're doing. 
Amen? That's what Jesus came to do, and we're never more like him until we find ourselves doing the same. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm telling you this, that every single day I have to crucify, crucify my life. Every single day I've got to pick up my cross. Every single day I have to live like, like there's less of, 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 of me and more of him. Every single day, whenever I come into a, uh, an area of conflict where I think something different than what the Bible says is true, then how many of you know that I've got to bow out to my thoughts and I've got to embrace his thoughts, right? It's crazy to me how many Christians and believers, man, will, will have worldviews in, in the face of them knowing what the Bible says, so whenever we have conflict, whenever we have contradiction from our belief system to what God's word says, then we need to bow out. Every day his plan becomes my plan. And guess what? The more that you do this, the people around you are going to take notice. They're going to look at you and say, Matthew, whoa, whoa, I've known you for your whole life and whoa, something's happening. You know what? You're, you just seem different. You seem different than than, than how you, you know, were the last time that I had seen you. And that difference is not Matthew trying to stay on point. That difference is, is just simply come on him living the sacrificial life and, and, and pursuing a God that is so easy to pursue and loves us so much. And so what happens is, is those good intentions now become, somebody say, good fruit. It's good fruit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5 and 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So on my own, if I was just to wake up without the Lord and say, man, I'm just going to be a man today. I'm going to be a man today that, that walks in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm just going to do that without the Holy Spirit, without any help from God. Guess what? Epic fail. I won't get to breakfast. I won't get to breakfast before I'm, you know, figuring out that this doesn't work. But with the Holy Spirit... And as I yield to him and as I pursue God in all things, right? As I desperately, am I going to come up short? Yes, I'm going to come up short. But I'm telling you, there are going to be changes that are taking place. And then all of a sudden, you're going to come into contact with somebody that you hadn't seen in a minute. And they're going to say, man, oh man, Penny, there's something different about you. Can't really tell you what it is. Don't know what it is. But boy, you just seem different. And Penny would be like, let me tell you, let me tell you what it is. It's my Jesus, right? Ephesians 4, 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Do you know this, Monty, that when you do your part, it makes my part easier. When you don't do your part, my part is more difficult. Why? Because I got to do your part too, Right? It's the same thing whenever we find ourselves doing what God has called us, you know what I mean, to be doing, then it makes everybody's job easier at doing. 
goes on to say it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So many people, I'm not, I don't have time for this, but don't disqualify yourself. You're not too far gone. You haven't done too much. Romans 11, read Romans 11. Come on, if he has breathed life into you, he's breathed purpose in you, and it's irrevocable, right? Number three is taking next steps lead to a life of purpose. When you know that everybody has been given purpose, but you don't know what your purpose is, let's be honest, that can be frustrating. Oh yeah, everybody's talking about purpose. Hey man, what's your purpose? What are you called to do? Why were you born? And everybody knows that everybody has purpose, but you're like, but I don't know my purpose. It can lead to a great deal of frustration. And the enemy confuses purpose. When you're young, this is how you approach purpose. You're like, man, God, give me the burning bush. And, and when I see it, I'll just go and I'll just do it. Just give me my burning bush experience. And then when you're old, the devil lies to you about purpose when you hit 50, 60, 70, and 80 years old, and you know that you've lived more life than what you have left to live. And then you start questioning, man, what, did my life even count? Did I fulfill my purpose? Did I miss it? Is there any way that I can make up Make up for it. See, both of these are lies. Purpose has never been a destination. Purpose has always been a journey. You're not waiting for it to happen. You're living it every single day. Every single encounter that you have. Every single conversation that you have. Everything that you do is walking out your purpose and your destiny. As you do it as unto the Lord. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a secret that I love golf. I can't even tell you how many incredible conversations I've been able to edify Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus, to tell people about Jesus, to talk to them about how God forgives us of our sins and God's got a better plan for their life than what they're experiencing. I cannot tell you how many open doors I have had on the golf course to share the love of Jesus Christ. Every single thing that you do is an opportunity to, for you to walk and fulfill your purpose. And everyday purpose is really about the next steps. And what is your next step? What is your next step? What is it that God's calling you to do? i got to hurry up. Ephesians 4, 13 says this. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's word of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord. So we've already touched on this scripture, but I want to draw your attention to the maturity in the Lord because maturity is the goal. For you to grow up in the Lord is the goal. At times we feel with our walk with God that it's two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes we feel like it's two steps forward and three steps back. You're like, man, I'm going the wrong direction. But I'm telling you that if you live with intention, come on, every single day, and you're just like, today, God, it belongs to you. Come on, what, what are we going to do today? You know what I mean? We live with intention that I'm telling you, I'm telling you that you're going to look up in a short period of time, and while you may not have arrived, which you'll never arrive, you're going to say, wow, I have come a long distance. I can tell you this about my own life. 
I am completely different than the man that I used to be. There's nothing similar of, of where I am today than, than, than who I was before Christ. Like I promise you, you would not even, you wouldn't even like me. Maybe you don't like me now. I don't know. But, but anyway, I'm just saying that you really would not, I was not a very likable, a likable person. And so, so we've come a long way. Why have we come a long way? Because of the goodness and the grace and the love of God. We keep going when we get to the end. How many of you know that all of us are going to have an end to this life? Right? All of us are going to have an end. And if you think that you're just going to live to 99 years old, God bless you. I hope you do if you want to live that long. But I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of funerals that I've done even this last month where people have expected, they've, they've thought that they had a lot more time than what it is that they've had. But the idea is getting to the end, and, and, and this is found in Matthew chapter 25 and 23, the master give talents come unto his servants, and this one servant had doubled the increase, the, doubled the increase, and this is what, what is said about him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Come and share in your master's happiness. I'm telling you, every single one of us, we're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, well, this is what I think he's going to say. I don't know. He may not even say anything close to this, but this is how I, he, this is what's going to, the conversation. What did you do with the life that I gave you? I, like, I don't want to be that person that even, like, is, is a short answer. Like, well, I'm here, aren't I? You know, <laughs> like, like, I believed in <laughs> I believed in you, and that was, that, like, that was it. Like, I don't want that to be a short answer. I want to be like, man, God, I know I, I, I was a long way from, from perfect, but you know what I learned to do over the entirety of my life, however many years that was? I learned to trust you, and I learned to walk with you, and I really was trying to be led by you, and I know I've got that right a lot of times, and I've probably got it wrong a lot of times, but I definitely loved you, and I've loved you to the point that I've shared you. <laughs> You're like, I want other people to, to, to know you like I know you, and so I've been willing to share you. In fact, I've been really excited about sharing you with people that that don't know you because, boy, if you can do this with me, you can do this. You can do this with anybody, right? I've trusted you. I've learned to hear you. And I've tried to obey you. Certainly, I believe in you. You know what I'm saying? And so there's all of these, these conversations that we can have. And, uh, and I don't want that to end with, well, I'm here, aren't I? You know, like, <laughs> I received your gift which is a wonderful thing. So, so listen, these are some of the next step. Number one, you gotta know Jesus, right? That's the first step, it's the big step. You gotta know Jesus, and then whenever you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how do you do that? You say, God, I'm a sinner. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ says, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. After you've done that, he's faithful and true and just to forgive you of your sins. Come on, he throws your sin as far as the east is from the west. Never to be brought up against you again. I had a tremendous revelation a few years back because I was always worried about giving an account for my sin that I've had in my life because I've, I've had plenty. That would be a long conversation if I had to have that conversation. 
But guess what? I had this amazing revelation. I'm like, he doesn't even know about it. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. I'm not going to have to give an account for that sin. All those terrible things and mistakes. Why? Because it's under the blood. Never to be brought up against me again. Right? Man, oh man. I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus. So then once we know him, we get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. Then we attend church every week. Every week, sure, take time off to go camping and things like that. But make church a priority, amen? There's more ministry that happens before and after the service than in the service a lot of the times. Read your Bible every day. Pray and begin a life of fasting. These are next steps. Join a grace group. Lead a grace group. Lead a life group. Go to believers class, which is our onboarding, right? And then we've got a serve class where we'll help you to discover your gifts and your talents, right? Find a need and fill it. This is another big one right here. So many people are like, well, I'm just not called to do that. Listen, if there's a need and you got a heartbeat, then you're called, right? (laughs) Right? I've had conversations with people. Well, I'm just not called to serve children. Oh, my gosh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. All right. Start trusting God with your finances. What was funny? I missed something. (laughs) I don't want to. Okay. (laughs) Go on a mission. Live out loud every single day. I, I, I've shared this a few times here, that if you're here and you've been going to Grace Church for a long period of time, and we have a first-time visitor, a first-time guest that comes, and they're surprised to see you here, there's something really wrong with that. You know, you're here? He's like, yeah, I've been going here for 10 years now. And, and so live out loud every day. Don't let it be a surprise to them. Pay it forward. Share it. Tie everything that you do to the Lord. So I'm just ending simply with a question this morning. What is your next step? And I encourage you, don't waste another day by contemplating or thinking about it. If you need some help, certainly talk to any one of our our lead team, and we will be more than happy to pray with you, to help you, to figure out what that next step, that next step in your journey your faith journey is. Amen. I want you to know this, church, that God absolutely loves you. He has called you out of darkness because he loves you. He set your feet upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus, because he loves you. Come on, he has changed the trajectory, the course of your life, because he loves you. Before you were born, he he has put design and purpose in your life. Why? Because he loves you. And I'm just telling you, there is absolutely nothing that you can't do in the Lord as long as it's part of his calling and his purpose. Now, listen, you can't join the NBA if you're 5'2". You know what I'm saying? And so, but that probably wasn't what you were created to do. But before we ever take a step, a lot of times we're having this conversation in our head as to why we're going to fail before we, before we even, even, even take a... Um, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to give you this, this just real quick. How do, you, how do you start this? 
you make small tweaks. Just do something. You feel like the Lord is calling you to do something? Do it. The second thing is respond immediately. Like right now, respond immediately. He's calling you to do something? Do it. And then dispel fear because fear is not from God. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Turn to your neighbor. Say, it's time to take another step in Jesus' name. God bless you and thank you so much this morning for being here. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.